Let's get ready to rumble! Hello and welcome to Netflix vs. Cinema, the podcast that has finally, finally this week figured out a structure that works in a world without <laughs> cinema. We finally figured it out. My name is Tosin and I am the host. I am based up in, well, I am I am self-isolating, or it's not even self-isolating anymore. I am socially distancing in Bedworth, near Coventry in the Midlands. And joining me on the Isle of Wight are Sharon, or is Sharon. Hello. <laughs> and I in, and in Bournemouth, all the way from his childhood bedroom, where he's trying to find, he's currently trying to find, he's currently trying to find a, a, a nice, comfortable position in which to have an hour conversation about film while on his childhood bed. <laughs> Joining me from, yeah. from all the way from Bournemouth is Sean. Hi, you guys. It's all right. <laughs> Hi. So, oh, how are you guys doing? Yeah, I'm really, really. I'm loving this weather. Absolutely loving this weather. <laughs> I can't, you know, I mean, been out all day and it really can't, can't fault it. Yeah. Long may it last, but I think it's going to get cold the weekend. So, Ooh. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and I made, I sort of planted some, I tried my green fingers planting some seeds in the greenhouse and they're about this, well, about what, they've just come up, they're about an inch. I think they're passion flowers come up about an inch, about maybe inch, inch and a half high. So it's pretty good. So I must have green fingers, I reckon. <laughs> cool, good they're a climber, so they will grow to be about thirty feet high if you have in the right position. Yeah, well, I'm, uh, what the there is, is like that's the, that's the plan because what there is is um, is like a on the side wall down the thing, but it gets it gets the sun most of the day. But there's some trellises, and there's nothing there, so I thought that's where they go. Okay, so they will take over your garden, but they'll be very pretty when they flower. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I figured that. So they will fill up I'm the gaps. Sort of, that's what I'm trying to trying to work out. You know, I mean, I'm sort of separating things and keeping, but it's amazing how things grow so quick. Well, you know, Sharon, but, you know, they just go, yeah. sort of, so I might take you for a little tour, a little visual tour, shall I? <laughs> Sometime. I'll yeah. do that. I'll tell you what, Sean, because it's now becoming a thing where you actually almost, out, uh, whenever we record the podcast, <laughs> you go out and you film a little bit of something. It's like Sean in the wild, Sean in nature. You can, yeah. you can film something with your passion flowers. <laughs> you okay. Can, you can okay. I'll show you. Yeah, i Set they us, do a little video of them. Yes, yeah, do a I'll video with Passion Flowers and show us what you ha- how you have been making good in, with your lockdown <laughs> time. Um, right. Okay. Right. Yeah. So I've, I was talking about the new about a structure that we figured out that's going to work. So what we've been doing because usually on this show, if you've listened to this show, you would know that what we usually do is that we have um, we go to the cinema, we watch three films usually, we stay at home, we watch three films on Netflix or any other streaming platform. And we rate them all out of five. We rate them, and then at the end, we take an average, and we say, who do we think has won this week? Has it been Netflix and Friends or cinema? Obviously, there are no cinemas at the moment. So what we have been doing is we have been interviewing people about cinema, asking them questions about, okay, what do you, what do you actually love about cinema? And what we're going to do now, our structure is that we're first going to talk about what it is that we've been watching, what our viewing habits have been like in the lockdown. Then we're going to have the interview. And then after the interview, we are going to answer one of the four questions that we ask every single interviewee. We have a couple of really good interviews coming up, like this week, next week. I've got a couple of people that I'm really excited about lined up. Nobody, oh, well, I guess they won't take this the wrong way, but nobody famous. But just what they say about cinema is, I, I actually really, really, I really, really like the interviews I've done so far. So the questions we ask them are, what is the first film you saw at cinema? What's the last film you caught before the lockdown? Why do you love going to the cinema? 
And what are you most looking forward to seeing when the cinemas reopen? Now, I'm not sure whether you guys saw about this, but on that last question, what are you most looking forward to seeing when the cinemas reopen? Did you see the news this week about the View Cinemas boss talking about wanting to reopen cinemas by mid-July? No, I didn't see that. No. Yes. Yeah, the, the the View Cinemas boss, somebody by the name of Tim Richards, I believe, he was talking to the BBC and he said he's talking to the authorities about getting social distancing measures put into cinemas because he says, oh, like a football game, we can control how many people come into the cinema. So I think, you know, we were talking about every other seat. Although, Sharon, they still need to get on board with your idea from last week of just bringing yeah, back yeah, the yeah. drive-in. Yeah. Bring back yeah, the yeah. drive-in, solve all your problems. Solve all our problems. I mean, it's, uh, that idea is still, is still blowing up things in my head. <laughs> drive-in cinemas, bring them back. Um, I think, I mean, I would think with cinemas, because quite often... They're not full, are they? So you you have got the space. Yeah, you have got the space. You know, yeah. in the in the week especially. And you with um, the Cineworld cinemas that we are most familiar with, when you go and book your ticket, they you you turn the screen around and it shows you what seat you've taken. So mm. I'd imagine you could cer- certainly, if it's alternate rows and alternate seats, you could certainly place people apart quite easily. Yeah, by just looking yeah. at the screen and just going. Yeah, and you can see those are the only tickets available. You could record enough rows. So you, you can actually do it. You can do it. Um, he yeah. says that they want to. They were hoping to get back for the 17th of July um, because that's when Christopher Nolan's action movie, Tenant, is, uh, Tenet, uh-huh. Tenet is, um, is due to be released. So that, that's, he says he's talking to the government about it. Now, as much as I love the idea of this, it does seem a bit soon to me. I don't know about you guys. July seems to be. When we think how quickly April went, yeah, it was it just went, didn't it? Yeah, and you think it's July, yeah. it's a couple of months to cut. It's you know a couple of months hence, but I think it's still too soon. Yeah, well, I think we'll be, we'll be think we're in May. We'll be thinking certainly nothing's going. I can't imagine anything is going to happen really in May. Yeah, and then we're in June, and then it's like, whoa, yeah. I think July is probably too soon. Yeah. Although having said that, if cinemas do reopen in mid-July, you know that I'm just I'm going to be there the twelve thirty in like you know midday showings. As long as everybody else has gone back to work and the people are not working from home, those should be the empty <laughs> ones. Because I've been to a couple yeah. of those and I'm like the only one in the cinema, so I'm like, yeah, you can't get more socially distanced than this. <laughs> so uh, you'll be bringing measures like taking your temperature or something bizarre just to say that because of all the air conditioning and the way they recycle air, you're thinking. They'll probably have to do something else, but it might be one of those. Well, what temperature are you? And if you're average, then you can go in. They well, I do actually know somebody who is selling thermal imaging cameras at the moment that can take your temperature as you walk past them. So it will be it will be a bit like you know how when you go to when you're when you're at the when you're at the airport and you walk through yeah. Yeah, when you're at the airport and you walk through uh like a, a metal scanner there's an area you walk past and it just sort of scans you as you're walking along and says what your temperature is so somebody can just be sat down there looking at the screen and going no no take him out take him out he's not allowed it <laughs> yeah and, and i think a lot of a lot of places like stadiums and all that are going to have those for a while and he's yeah, so, be like, yeah. so if you yeah so if you're listening to this and um you you would like one of those cameras get in touch with me Netflix versus cinema on, cinema on on Twitter. I know a guy. I know a guy who'll get you a nice thermal imaging camera. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Yeah. So yeah, so we've got the 
Sharon, you got the app, haven't you? Have you got the? I've got my COVID tracking app. Oh yes! Yeah. Oh my God! Yeah, you guys are the Isle of or, or the Isle of Wight. You, you're the first people ever to get the sort of like contact tracing app. What's the app like? It's oh, it's very easy. I mean, we got we got our letter today. Every household on the island, is, well, they did. They sent out forty thousand today, so forty thousand were delivered this morning. We got ours this morning. Yep. Very early, and um, I thought, well, I, I decided I was going to do it anyway. And so you literally go to the website, you click on which where you want to download the app from, and you have a choice of two app stores, and you literally get taken straight into the page, you install it, open it, put in your postcode, and that's it. And they say, if you are you feeling okay? It's like, yes, if, they, if you're feeling fine, you don't have to do anything else. That was it. So you literally postcode to prove you're on the Isle of Wight. Um, it's make sure you have to say, and they have to say, do you, do you give them permission to access your location? And you just say, yes, I give you permission to access my location. And that they, you have to have Bluetooth running. Yep. That's the only thing. I habitually have that running on my phone all the time. Mm. But it, it's what? it's there. What? And so on my phone screen, I've got a little NHS symbol that sits in the top corner of my screen. That's there all the time. Oh, wow. Right. So it shows that my NHS COVID-19 tracker is working. So if you'd have put in, uh, Sharon, if you'd have put in, I'm not feeling so well, but it might not be COVID, that would, <laughs> and you went to people, everybody would have to self-isolate, yeah? Even if you might have a headache or something like that. You know no, what I mean? I, I know I'm putting that as a thing, but, but I, I mean... I think it's a bit more complicated than that. It's not, it's not an instant thing. If you say, I'm not feeling very well, you then go to another screen, because they go through this in the book that you'll get. You get given a little right. leaflet. I have to, I'll go get it in then. <laughs> you get given a little leaflet, and you but basically saying if and they take you to another screen, it's like, hey, what's your symptoms? How long have you had these symptoms? Blah, 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 blah. And then I think if you oh, right, then okay. it gets to that point where they say it's likely so, that you have COVID, yeah. you'll get sent a test kit at home. And then oh, once right. you've tested, you then they then will ping to say someone has been tested. And so anyone you've been within contact distance of will then get a ping saying, at some point, you have been in contact with this person. Uh, okay, you see but that... it all depends on how many people have the COVID-19 tracker app. Because I could be passing right. 20 people in the supermarket. And if only one of those has the app, then 19 other people may be symptomatic. Yeah. And we won't know about yeah. them. We only know about the one person. Who's they need, the they need about 60 people on the island to download the app, don't they? So far, I think the news this morning, the people who track these things have said that 300,000 have been, no, that's more than people who live on that, like 30,000 have been <laughs> That's what I was right. thinking. I was thinking 300,000. I was like, so, wait, wait, uh, wait. Too many noughts there. But so far, apparently, yeah, 30,000 apparently. So that is, well, there's 80,000 households. There's about 120 plus thousand residents. So it's still a long way to go. But they were saying they needed at least 60,000 to take. Okay. All right. Cool. So, well, well hopefully, hopefully, hopefully that keeps going. And this going. was about lunchtime. This was about lunchtime when they updated it. So I don't know what the latest is. You but see, you of see... all the people on my friends list on Facebook, I've only had one island resident who said they weren't going to do it. Nearly all the other island residents said they would. Uh, or was it a case of oh, I'm not letting them know where I They're am? They're listening to you, Sharon. They're listening. <laughs> They're li- <laughs> well, the one who said They're no, listening. They're listening. Then. Yeah, so so he was saying, "Oh, I don't think it's worth it unless everyone does it. It's not worth it." Oh, good lord! So, um, <laughs> so he oh, said, wow, "No." Nearly everyone else I know has said we'd rather do it um, just for that, just for the safety of everyone else, to see if we can progress this yeah. this thing a bit further. 
You know, I was really, really hoping that you said, like, you know, when Sean asked, like, what happens if you say you're not feeling that well? I was hoping it was going to be like a scene in the movie where all of a sudden a SWAT team descends, yeah, like, yeah, repels yeah, round down your roof, yeah, yeah. crashes through the windows, go, 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 go! <laughs> Actually, I think there was an advert on TV about Gaviscon or something like that, or I think Gaviscon, yeah, a bit like the Gaviscon advert with the old fireman where they go and put it out. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Oh, well, cool. The, the COVID SWAT police. Uh, I think that would be pretty cool. Uh, um, mm-hmm. So, no, no, that's that's pretty cool. So, keep us, le- let us know about it. Let us know. Okay, so, when we come back next week, let us know how it has gone. How many people have yes, gone on it. Yes, if I ever have any pings. And if, you, apparently, if you've had any pings, um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I only be, I've only been going out once. So, I was wondering if I, when I'm like doing the front garden this morning, I was mowing the grass. And two dog walkers passed me, but they didn't social distance. They, I didn't know they were there because I was like strimming and oh, I, yeah. it was noisy. Yeah. And then suddenly I was aware of this presence on my shoulder, and I was just like, "Oh, made me jump." And then this couple sort of walked past me, without. Yeah, there's loads. There's loads. When I go out, I'm amazed how many people are actually out. And I mean, I, I mean, I try and stay away. Sort of, I, I, I go out fairly late in the evening for the walks, and uh, you know, go routes that I think no one's going to go. Yeah. It really, really surprises me who's out, and loads of people don't seem to to care. And I, I had to cross a road. The route I went the other day, I had to cross a main road, and it was like the traffic was just like zoom, 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 zoom. And I was thinking, my God, you know, so yeah, crazy, okay. really. But it was it was I interesting. If, I did think about if I had my app in my pocket, and if they had apps, would that register as a contact? Because they were certainly within two meters of me. No, but it yeah, was it working right. It was so fleeting. I wasn't sure. Does that count as as a contact or not so i don't i don't know how these things work but i'm one of these people who don't always carry my phone with me so i'm going to have to remember if i do go out to have my phone not just in my bag which i often leave in the car yeah but i have to have it on my person so yeah. that it actually uses the app for its best yeah uh, <laughs> so the um oh i was going to say something about but, but i guess the other, the other thing as well is that if everybody downloads the app but then everybody stays at home. It kind of defeats the purpose. Yeah, it won't. Because, I mean, I can have the app for seven days, but if I only go out one day a week, then I'm not going <laughs> to actually add a lot of information to that data. Yeah. Say, oh, look, this is how many... These are like the, the everyday interactions people have if they are yeah. monitoring that sort of thing. But I would be interested in the supermarket because, you know, it's a nightmare, isn't it? You just... Yeah, I, I was... You, you, you visualise like a, a two-metre bubble all around you thinking... The, the two meters isn't just like the straight the two meters in front of you. Yeah. Like you need a big hula hoop skirt. Oh, like one of those yeah. massive hula hoop skirts they had in the 1950s, I reckon. Do you know what I mean? Or like, or like, like I, saw, yeah. I saw a thing with the in the Chinese school. They got like those helicopter hats. You know the caps. Yeah. yeah. They got those helicopter hats, but like the blades, the helicopter blades are like two meters. <laughs> two meters long. So everybody like, stays away from me. <laughs> Well, I, I was thinking about the Victorian. You know, you know, in, the, you know oh, in the Jetsons, they got that little lump. Um, that little, I forget what the, the little lad is, but he's got like those, and they all pop. Elroy. The 50s, weren't they? The, Elroy, that's him, yeah. with that little yeah. propeller. That's what you want with a massive <laughs> two-meter span. No, to, to be honest <laughs> with you, I, I went to Tesco. I went to Tesco this afternoon, and quite frankly, I would have loved something like that because there was a guy behind me who obviously felt like this social distancing stuff was stupid, was nonsense, and was just cramping his style. And he kept coking. And I, I, it was one of those things where you, you almost want to like throw an elbow back there. You're like, Get away from me! Yeah, we had that. Uh, it was I, funny. I, think, I took I've my mum to the doctor. Yeah, Carrie, you, you took him to the doctors. I, 
yeah, it's the first time she's actually been out of this the, the house other than the back garden for seven weeks. And I did say to her, if I see anyone coming, I'll throw the car blanket over you so that that's what I can do. <laughs> it's like, it, we don't have a mask, but we've got a blanket. <laughs> I can throw the whole, you know, sort of, okay, if it's like three pounds of pure wool, pure Scottish wool, it's going over your head if you see anyone coming. <laughs> well, yeah, but it, it is it, it is kind of one of those things. Sure enough, nothing. if nothing happens, then he, he's probably going to be like, yeah, yeah, well, see, nothing happened. But if something does happen, then, oh, good Lord. Oh, anyway, anyway. But uh, you know how, okay, we usually talk about Netflix cinema. And on our, <laughs> on our website, on our website, we have this whole thing to talk about, is the Netflix revolution killing cinema? And, you know, the one of the things that has come home to me during this lockdown is just how much cinema cannot really be replaced. It cannot be easily replaced. But in this article about Mr. Tim Richards, who is the head of View Cinemas, uh, he ended up saying something that, even though I agree with him, even though I agree with him, it was kind of like, you know, when you think, oh, you smarmy, <laughs> you smarmy so-and-so. This is the reason why I want, I want Netflix to actually give you a bloody nose and make you up your game. Because the article ends with him saying, um, it says... He says, the big screen is still how people prefer to see big releases. Can you imagine watching the new Bond film on the 27-inch Mac, he, Mac, he asked. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, what is up with you? And it's things, I'm like, look, I love cinema, and I think that cinema has a place. But when you, have, when you say things like that, even though I agree with you, and obviously I added the smarmy, <laughs> my, I, did, I did my best smarm there. But when you add when you things like that, this is me, things that make me think, you know what? I wish Netflix wins, even though I... I have become, even though I've become convinced that no, the cinema gives something that Netflix doesn't, that that sitting at home just doesn't do. And there's a good interview coming up, I think, next week with a lady called Sandy who speaks about that. And while we're on that, while we're on that, um, if you are a cinephile, listen to this. If you love your cinema and if you want to answer those four questions, first one you saw at the cinema, last one you caught before lockdown. Why you love going to the cinema and what are you most looking forward to seeing when the cinemas reopen? Get in touch with us on Netflix versus cinema. So Netflix vs cinema on Twitter or on Facebook or just me toes in video. So T O E S I N video um, on Twitter just to say I would love to come on. We would love to find out what it is you say and have you just answer those questions because we're getting some great stories at the moment. Just collating people's people's love affair with cinema, right? Shall we move forward? I think I'm going to skip a little bit about what we've been, what our viewing habits have been so far, and jump ahead to a, jump ahead to an interview. Although I will say one thing: if you guys have Netflix, catch the Last Dance. The Last Dance, Sean, I think you'd love it. It's about the Chicago Bulls. Oh it, right, okay. It's cool. about it's about the it's about um Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls going for their sixth championship. And oh, but what was going on behind the scenes? And honestly, honest, I'm telling you, even if you do not like sports, even if you don't know a thing about basketball, the storytelling in this documentary series is masterful. The storytelling, right from the first shot, just draws you in. And before you know it, you sit down there, you've binged it, and then you're yelling and screaming at Netflix because they're only releasing two <laughs> two episodes a week. Yeah. And you're like, "What the hell's wrong with you, Netflix? Why aren't you giving to me? I want to see the rest. I want to find out how this story ends." I mean, it, the storytelling is so good that I'm actually I'm actively avoiding going on Wikipedia to find out what happened. Wow! <laughs> yeah, there's um, it's, it's, so it's like a series, yeah. It's a series, yeah. I think I, it's going to be ten episodes yeah. in the end. I have been. I actually did a month three subscribe to YouTube because I've spent 
like well youtube so premium. much time on youtube yeah youtube premium um i've even done a few but what was really really interesting i watched the thing you're on about basketball yep i watched this i mean things with you but the thing is with the social media thing you can just get lost in stuff because yep. I, I i watched there was a um I don't know, about 80s or 90s band it goes um they were called faithless oh yeah 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 on one of their one of their videos they went to i think it was a, a 2005 north korean where they do all the they call it the, the student thing where they do all the big dancing and stuff yep and then there was this i saw this other thing that comes up and it was a a documentary about a basketball player and i cannot forget his name but he likes loved the because the north korean leader loved the, dennis rodman yeah, that's a boy and he's like <laughs> They were all these things like he had rows with people. He reckoned he was the greatest leader ever, and all that. So that was quite interesting stuff. So Dennis I mean, Rodman, he was like a Dennis major Rodman, basketball. Yeah, Dennis, a, yeah. He, who who was part of the team with Michael Jordan of the Chicago Bulls, and he actually features quite prominently in The Last Dance. You see, we oh, don't wow. just so, we don't just throw this together. So if you want to hear <laughs> if you want to hear more about Dennis Rodman, Sean, watch The Last Dance on Netflix. <laughs> right. Okay. Okay. You've got it. You got it. I'll do that. Then that's made it. That's made it even more interesting. <laughs> Funny, isn't it? Yeah. So, Sharon, a quick word on your viewing habits in the lockdown so far. Well, we've been watching things like you know, the, just uh, there's a couple of things a week we've watched on the television. Um, sewing bee. Uh, <laughs> 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 so really sort of comfort television and we've just loved yeah but we've actually found a series that we've there's five seasons of it so we've been working our way through that and it's that's with me and my mum because it's just two of us here at the moment yeah we've got basically the whole house to ourselves and we've got the big the bigger screen television to ourselves so it's the first time in like two years basically that we've actually watched anything on netflix together so we've actually watched a series we started watching it it's called where calls the heart and it's based on a Jeanette Oak book. It's set in the Canadian Rockies All right. in the early 20th century. So it's, it's 1910. And it's about basically like this, a school teacher who goes west. And it's like Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman, but a school teacher in Canada. Yeah. <laughs> so it's basically, it is your classic cozy television. And nothing, it's all like, it's a U rating. Um, any danger is like, you know, or someone with a gun, it's like, oh, he's got a gun. And but it's there's no danger in it at all, and there's no Canadian. Danger. It's Canadian. Isn't it? <laughs> it's Canadian. Canada's like nice. so it's just it's actually it's perfect for, for me and my mum to watch. So we've been watching twice a week. We all sit down and we'll watch two episodes. So we've more or less watched the whole of the first season now. Um, cool. and yeah, we're just starting on season two. But there's five seasons, so we thought basically that will probably see us through to when my brother moves back or to when the lockdown ends. <laughs> <laughs> by which point we'll be like okay we'll surrender the television and the remotes and we'll give up the use of the the main room again because my brother tends to be he tends to we tend to let him have the big telly yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that's been quite fun so yes it's nothing very exciting but oh. it's been fun it's been entertaining we've actually enjoyed just like <clears> something <throat> you can sit with a biscuit like sean's doing now have a cup of something <laughs> yeah. and just enjoy I I actually record with I record, yeah. I have a theory that I think to begin with when the lockdown first happened there was a bit of a shock and it took a couple of weeks probably like a month before everybody started getting back into some sort of normal routine and so yeah. we, because all of us we were talking about how when it first started we pretty much stopped watching anything <laughs> that's <laughs> we, it we pretty much stopped Shut watching ourselves away yeah yeah 
so we, we we're stop watching anything we're just kind of like nope no forget it it's it's gone no, it's 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 all over and uh, but now i think we're beginning to get to the point where actually you know what yeah maybe i will watch something maybe i will go fucking watch something but anyway now it's time to get on to interviews enough of us prattling on it's time to get other people to come in and be the star of the show now i usually do the interviews on this show but sean this week you have had a go haven't you you've had a little go at having an interview haven't you yeah it was uh, it was a bit uh, it was a bit underhanded it was a little bit underhanded you know because you, uh, you know the person <laughs> wow anyway yeah okay, so, so yeah no I, had a li- I did have a little go yeah i did have a little go so tell us a little bit about what we're about to listen to okay um well uh, this afternoon i was i, I was having a conversation with my mum about about the cinema, what the first time of the cinema, what 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 did she see the first time? She wasn't too sure. I mean, I didn't get all the, uh, this conversation started going, and I thought, oh, this is this is going somewhere. This is going somewhere. So I thought, so I slowly on my phone, surreptitiously, did the voice recorder, and then carried on. So you're talking about before this this you're going to hear maybe about five or six minutes before, which yeah. I wish I'd have got. She seems to think that her first film was probably um, Dumbo that she saw it. Oh wow! Movies, she went. She went on to tell me about all the different different cinemas that, and like how my dad used to take his sister, who was like quite younger, to the cinema when he was supposed to be babysitting and stuff. And <laughs> they'd look down the road and see if his mum had gone, and then they'd run out. All sorts of stuff. So there was a lot of really really nice conversation but i'm glad i got what i did so yeah. i mean it's only a small amount but but i'm really pleased i got what, what, what I, I got okay so so yeah. so, uh, so here is sean interviewing his mum. who so you are you are staying with your mom you're in lockdown with your mum. yeah yeah, yeah. Is, is it okay to say yeah. how, how old your mum is yes yes you can do if you want she was um she is what what is she now <laughs> she's she's 88 years old Okay, so this is George's eighty-eight year old Mama Harris, big Mama Harris as I like to call her, uh, talking, yeah. uh, uh, be, being surreptitiously interviewed for about two minutes by her son Sean. <laughs> I am out of bed and taking pictures when he was babysitting. Yeah. Yeah. Before I met him, it's before I met him. When he came out of the army first, his mum used to go in the club next door and he used to babysit, but he used to. Take her out of her cot and put her coat on and go to pictures with her. Did, um, what was the first film? He took you, didn't he take you to see High Noon? That was the first film he took me to. Yeah. At the Odeon at the Lands Yeah. We walked along the seafront. I can't remember if we walked along the seafront before or after the film. I can't really remember that. That was that must have been on the sat. No, I think that. Uh, yeah, I had the Saturday or the Sunday. And then the next day, I met him um, in Boscombe under the clock at Hayders. And what did we do that day? I don't know what we did that day. I think we went through, walked through Groverly Manor to the seafront. Did you? So, did you say you used to take Nikki to the cinema with the dummy? Yeah. And what happened if she lost a dummy? When we were in um, Seaborne Road and Cotland. No, not in Cotland's Road. We didn't take her there. She was a bit young then, but she was probably about two to three. Mum used to take her, or even younger. Didn't, what what happened if she... Younger, but mind you, she did love her dummy. Did you? you didn't. You used to spit it out straight away. I tried to have you one to get you to sleep and get some peace, but 
you, you didn't like dummies, but she she loved her dummy. And she would be all right in the cinema. She'd never like cry or anything. As long as she had her dummy, she was all right. So, you know, if she dropped it and she started to cry, Dad had to scrabble all underneath, suck it. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, oh dear, what are you doing? Another film he took me to see. I think he took me to see that with Nicky, and that was um, oh, not Julie Christie. Uh, it was a J James Dean. It was James Dean. Giant. Might have been. Rebel yeah. without a cause. Yeah, no, I think it might have been... It was somebody with Julie was in with him. What are you doing, Sean? Recording. Oh, oh, God. Okay, so, Sean... Now, I love that interview. I love some of the stories you were told. And <laughs> I, I did too. And, and I agree with you. I really, really wish... I really wish that, A, like... Like you, I, I, there's a bit of me that wishes you, you just kept going on, and there's a bit of me that just wishes that, like you know, your mum hadn't noticed you holding the phone, <laughs> because, because uh, there, there were bits about it that were actually quite emotional. Because she's, I mean, she when she's talking about, uh, yeah, he took me to the pictures. I guess she's talking about your dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's yes, yes, she is. He's talking yes. about your dad, and and um, the, your dad. The first, I think, the first film they saw my dad, and it was pretty soon after they got engaged or whatever, was High Noon with Gary Cooper. And, yeah. Um, so, yeah. But it was interesting, she was saying, because, I mean, in, in I guess in those days, it was, uh, the, there were so many cinemas and there was no television. There yeah. was only the radio. So, well, there probably was television, but, you know, no, no, nobody really had it. Um, so, so, yeah, so that's what they used to do quite a lot, was the cinema was quite a lot. And she actually said, she said, oh, you know, your dad was an avid cinema goer. I reckon that's where you get it from. So, <laughs> so yeah, but I mean, it's sort of nice. It was not, I thought, this is really going somewhere, you know, and yeah. um, I quite liked it. And I might have another go. At, I mean, it was a bit, of a, a bit of a raw interview, but I reckon I could try and do a few more people, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Do next, I might well, I have to I might grab do, my mum. Yeah, I might. That's it. You should do. But, I mean, I, I think with the older people, they're, 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 well, I know my mum wasn't too keen on, being recorded but i'll try again i'll try again well, yeah, if, if you can because I, I do think that the, i love doing these interviews because i love the stories that come out of it like people's first times to the yeah. cinema like why they go there and all that i just love those stories i think that they're so so cool and um uh, i think and, the film though she was mentioning i think it's julie harris in east of eden i think she's with james d east of eden was it that probably james makes d. sense I think that it's julie harris that's the only julie mm. that's in the james dean film in east of eden is julie harris yeah, because uh, right, that that will be the one then. It makes sense because there's not that many James Dean films to choose from, are they? No, no you have. I actually, how the conversation started was, you know, me and my games. I like to say, who would you choose out of? Um, well, what I said, because uh, <laughs> I've I've joined a lot of groups. I've joined a lot of lot of different groups, like, and I said, who would you choose if you were like as a boy, Charlton Heston or um, Richard Burton? That was the first two. Yeah, she went. Oh, I like both of those, like like both of those, but it would have to be Rock Hudson. And then we spoke a little bit about, well, wasn't he gay and blah, blah, blah. And someone Ooh. said, oh, yeah, and Randall Scott and all stuff. But she was cool with that, which was really, really good. And I asked her, what were the other ones I asked her? Um, oh, yeah, I think I said Errol Flynn or Gary Cooper. And I, was, I went through all, so I was playing that game with her about the ones she liked. But she said she really, really, her favourite was Clark Gable. Oh, yeah. favourite was Clark okay. Gable, but, but, nowadays she don't she doesn't think it would have been she can't <laughs> you know when she looks at some of the old things she said i think now i probably wouldn't have liked him as much as i did back then so oh so yeah so but it's, it's, it's really interesting talking to people about things like that i'm gonna i'm gonna have to give it another go on i'm gonna have to try some interviews yeah. 
Yeah, well, no, it's yeah. good. But uh, I have to say that it was also because, um, you, you, like, your dad, your dad would be known to a lot of Bournemouth FC football fans. For sure, for well, sure. Yeah. What do they call him? Yeah. Chop, Chopper Harris, was it? <laughs> Chopper, Chopper Harris, yeah, Chopper. They used to call him, yeah. Got, uh, Everybody, that's it. Some whenever I used to play football, they used to call me Chopper. All right, Chopper. And uh, I used to work with an old boy, uh, bless him. Uh, old boy, I shouldn't say that, should I? Just being, but uh, and he he just used to call me Chopper, yeah, he, all the time. He says, all right, Chopper. So yeah, it's funny, isn't it? How, but I think it was of a generation. I think it was on uh, a guy, you know, Ron Harris. His name was. He was a defender for Chelsea. I, I yeah. seem to remember, and he like packed everybody like they did in those days yeah and and because the thing is because i mean uh if if you're okay with me saying about your dad because we lost your dad last year yeah 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 Yeah. and i mean just the bits where she's talking and she's honestly i'm gonna be honest with you sean when i was listening to that i I got choked up (laughs) thanks i got got really choked when she was talking about him taking it to the cinema and i think you could even hear it in the I, 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 I think I think you could hear in her voice what, what he meant to yeah. her. So that that yeah. seriously got me choked up. Um, but cool. yeah, thank but you. Thanks so much for that, man. And if we can get more of that, that would be awesome. And now we get onto our full blown interview for this week, and that interview was with a good friend of mine, Yatish Parma. Now Yatish and I have known each other for oh, oh good lord, this is when it, this is when it gets really really sad when you try to think about how old it is. Over twenty right. years. I think. Hang on, wait. Yeah, over 20 years. Yesterday, we've known each other over 20 years. We met when we were doing, uh, well, we were. No, brilliant. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. We, we met, I think yesterday, we met when we were doing a year in industry in a place called Abingdon, Oxfordshire. And um, so I, I think, oh, a couple of weeks ago, I put on something on, on Facebook saying, oh, what was the first one you ever saw in the cinema? And he got in touch with me on WhatsApp saying, I'm not going to put this on Facebook, but the first one I ever saw was the Care Bears movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. Care Bears. That's, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah I, that's, I tell you what, that takes some, that takes some admitting, doesn't it? So, yeah, <laughs> but I mean, I mean, he had good reason, didn't he? He had good reason, I suppose so. He had good reason, which you will hear now. As I said, if you want to get in touch with us, do get in touch with us on Twitter. We would love to hear your stories about cinema. But enjoy this interview with Yatish, a uh, great friend of mine, big, big, big sort of culture vulture. And um, yeah, this is what he had to say. Welcome to the Netflix. Well, well, I keep forgetting what the name of this thing is. Cinema, that thing that doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> Welcome to the Netflix versus cinema interview. How, uh, how are things going with you in the lockdown, man? Um, yeah, they're going fine. They're going fine, keeping busy, you know. Yep. Just uh, cleaning, tidying, exercising, working, and yep. catching up on bits and pieces. Yep. And okay, now, so if we're going to, yeah. so, so we're going to be talking mostly about film. Now, you seem to have this real thing about, well, I know with your kids that you're always sort of like trying to educate them about good stuff. So there's been a lot of film watching going on, hasn't there been in the lockdown? There has been some, yeah. We've been taking advantage of um, uh, Netflix's uh, Studio Ghibli season. Oh, yeah? So we've been watching a lot of that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah so that's I, been quite uh, interesting with them. Yeah, I was talking about I was talking about uh, the Studio Ghibli thing um, on uh, the uh, the last episode of the podcast. I was actually actually yeah. gave my, my ratings of the ones I'd seen so far. Yeah, yeah. 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 I think uh, yeah, we had a bit of 
cross conversation about that. Yes. So yes, yeah. yes, we did. So as I said, what we're doing yeah. over the over the period of this lockdown thing, because obviously our show is called Netflix versus Cinema, and there is no cinema, mm-hmm. so it's kind of like destroyed the show because we we're kind of like we're like okay, okay, so we can all just say that Netflix has won for the remaining of 2020. Netflix has won. And if that's the case, what the heck are we going to do on a show called Netflix with the Cinema? So what we decided to do is to have like a bit of a celebration of cinema and what that means. I put this up on my Facebook and I said, ask people what was the first film they ever went and they ever saw at the cinema. You replied with something that I think people who know you is the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Care Bears the movie. And people people who know you know that this, this is a man who is currently making sure that he's 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 introducing all of his children to the classic hip-hop rap stuff from the early 80s and all that kind of stuff and so care best the movie as the first one you say in cinema doesn't quite work but you do have an excuse for why care best the movie was the first one you ever saw in the cinema isn't isn't that right massive excuse uh <laughs> you know if we obviously remember back to the glory days of youth centers and perhaps funding for uh children's services and so uh summer play schemes where your parents would just dump you for like a month in the summer holidays. Uh, and they had a trip to the cinema. I remember going to Harrow Cinema. Um, there were like three cinemas in Harrow. So it was the one next to the model shop. There's like a model shop next door. Yeah. Um, and, um, yeah, we we, got, we went to go watch Care Bears the movie. Um, so, yeah. So, so what, <laughs> okay, what do you remember about that first trip? Um... The, to be honest, the only thing I remember about the trip is the the bad guy in it, his eyes were, used to go red or something like that. And I remember walking out of the cinema and being absolutely blinded by the bright sunshine. That's like my standout memory of my first trip to the cinema. <laughs> oh, oh, all right, cool. So on, on this thing, we we have... So we have different stories, like um, Sharon, for instance, the first one that she went to see, the the other host of the podcast, Sha- the first one Sharon went to see in the cinema yeah. was Star Wars. The first one Sean went to see in the cinema was, I think it was The Warlord with Charlton Heston. And they both talk about how that sort of reignited this love of cinema from them, that, that that's where their obsession with cinema started. What effect yeah. did Care Bears the movie have on you? Zilch, man. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Um, well, I would say though, I mean, like you're talking about Star Wars and whatnot. I made a point of taking all three of my, oh well, all my kids to go watch the th- recent um, three Star Wars movies. Yep. So the older one came to, he's seen all three of them in the cinema. Yep. And the little one, um, she, you know, she just turned five last year. Yep. So we took her in to go watch the last, um, the you know, the Rise, uh, the Rise of Skywalker. Of Skywalker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just at least when they grow up, and she'll be able to say that she, she at least went to see one in the cinema. Um, you know. Yeah, and you know, for, you know me, for better I'm a or Star worse. Trek fan. Yeah, I'm a tricky. She's a tricky as well at the age of five. But you know, uh, for better or for worse, yeah, they have to be able to say that they they saw at least one of the Star Wars films in the cinema. Well, yes, so, yes, yeah. yeah well, you know very yeah. well that you have made you you've made a point of making sure that your children know their stuff, especially when it comes to so sort of sci-fi. <laughs> I try, try. Well, yeah. be, okay, because with you, you're you're a little bit of a culture vulture, Aji. I mean, we've known each other for years. I mean, I don't want to start thinking about how many years it is now because that is that's a little bit sad. <laughs> We're feeling old now. We're feeling old. You know, <laughs> you're talking about feeling old. You know this Joe Wicks workout that everybody's going like PE with Joe Wicks, right? 
yeah, yeah. Which is yeah. A, it's supposed to be primarily it's supposed to be primarily for kids, like a kids PE lesson. Yeah. I, I did it on Monday. I couldn't move till like Friday, man. <laughs> I have to be honest, Tosin, after we when we used to live together all the many years ago and you took me for a run and I couldn't even run to the end of the road and get back. <laughs> I have been motivated, yeah, to get on top of my physical fitness. So yeah, I've been I've to be honest, I have actually been exercising quite a bit. And my kids have been um doing a lot of YouTube clips, exercise videos and stuff as well. Oh yeah. So they quite they quite like those um choose your side ones, target the little kids and they have like cartoon characters on either side and they've got to choose one side or the other side to do the exercise All right. so they quite enjoy that oh, yeah, and, and video games characters and stuff like that oh you see that so, yeah it's good that, that, that is the that is the joy of having kids I, I don't even know what those yeah. things are I, I, I could figure out what you're saying by what you're saying but um, yeah but besides that I'm like I've never heard of those those sound like fun maybe I'll try that maybe those will take yeah. me out of commission for a week like Joe Wicks did yeah so <laughs> so so, <laughs> so, about, so, yeah. so you are um, so you are, like I was saying, a bit of a culture vulture. You're into your books. You're into your, um, you're into your books. You're into your music, as we said. Like whenever I go to your house, you have like all your vinyl out there, probably in chronological order. But knowing you, you probably have them in order of relevance or something like that. Yeah, they're organized in uh, by genre. The vinyls organized by genre. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. So, so yeah, with that, but... with with all the sort of like culture you devour. Um, because one of the questions we're asking people is like, you know, what do you think? What do you think about the cinema? But for you, I'm going to ask you, where do you rank the cinema when it comes in 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 like, you know, the importance of all these different sort of like bits of culture? Yeah, I mean, I think we had um, when you posted that uh, something on Facebook the other day about um, TV series yep. and how many out of the hundred have you seen? And I was like, oh. I got a bit snobby about that. And I was like, nah, actually, that's just like trying to do, do this high culture, low culture kind of division, yep. which really shouldn't exist because art is art primarily, isn't it? Um, so, yeah, I do rank the cinema quite highly in it. Um, I personally don't enjoy going to the cinema that much because I can't stand the sound of people eating while I'm trying to watch a film. <laughs> <laughs> it drives me bonkers. But obviously, I've got, I got great memories of, of going to the cinema to watch particular films, you know. So, I mean, things like going to watch uh, digital remastering of uh, the 36th Chamber of Shaolin at the BFI. That's one that stands out. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, yeah, that was a great reliving of the childhood um, in, in, a, in a great setting, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I do, I do rate the cinema quite highly. Um, All right. Yeah, so, what, what do you think is so great about the cinema? Because I know, I know for me at the moment... Um, not have not being able to go to the cinema, and I go like almost every week. Not being able to go to the cinema, I've started realizing, oh my god, there is a difference. Even if you have a great film at home, there's a difference between that and the cinema. So, what do you think is so great about the whole cinema going there, watching experience thing? I would say that for me, going to the cinema is about you know what you do after the film, okay. because I tend to find that when I when I used to go into obviously living in London, going into town to go watch films in like the Curzon Soho or wherever it is, you go into town and then it's that walk to the tube station and the tube ride back where you have time to reflect about what you've been watching mm-hmm. and talk about it and which I find um, really valuable, you know, whereas if I just go to a local cinema to go watch something, jump in the car, jump in the car on the way back, you know, doing the drive back and whatnot and I don't really seem to enjoy the experience as much. So, you know, for me, it's about really going to watch a film with someone and then having the time to think about it and digest it and talk about it afterwards. Oh, that's pretty cool, actually. Yeah, 
Yeah, I didn't really think about yeah. that because because nowadays I just drive drive to the cinema. <laughs> so it's like yeah, yeah. Because nowadays I just drive, so it's just jump down there, and I and a lot of the films I see nowadays I see by myself because yeah, uh, yeah, just because of life and stuff and and trying to do this podcast. And if I didn't go see it by myself, like, there's just loads of films I just wouldn't see. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, true. I think um, you know it's it's like um, also now with lockdown, isn't it? When people talk about social distancing, and I would argue that I don't feel very socially distant to anybody because because of Twitter, WhatsApp, you know, and all these kinds of things, and I feel very socially close to people, but physically distant. Yeah, and possibly I would argue that coming out of the cinema and having that time, because I mean, you could come out of the cinema and be engaged in a, in a virtual conversation with somebody about what you've watched. Yeah, yeah, and that's I know true. That you, you know, that's the kind of thing that you would be doing. I know that's the kind of thing that we have engaged in as well. Yeah. We've got, you know, you've seen a film, I've, I've seen something different and we're, we're just bouncing off each other digitally, you know? But there is, for me, there's also something about coming out of the cinema and having that physical proximity and a physical conversation with someone about what you've just had a shared experience about, you know? In yeah, that, in yeah. that sense, it, it, you know, is similar but different to going to the theater. You know, in that sense, yeah, yeah. Where you're going to the theater, that live experience. Um, you know, you it should be some kind of like uh, cathartic experience, and you ch- it changes you in some way. Um, for me, pro- probably having that conversation after the film, reflecting on it, is learning the, from it, is the more important. Is more, is more. Yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, we, so we, you, we consume. Does, yeah. So, sorry, go on. I was going to say, so for you, does that mean that it doesn't really matter if what you see is good or bad? What matters is whether you get to it gets to inspire that kind of discussion. Right. As well. I last night, having never seen it, and being an absolute fan of the book, having read it like four or five times, and listened to the audio book about sixty times. Oh yeah, is I watched Dune last night, the nineteen eighty version, or, or, or the, da- version or or the, David, the David Lynch it version. It was appalling. <laughs> it was terrible, man. Oh my. God, it was horrible. Uh, I was like, I watched it. And I was like, I gotta have a trash eighty sci-fi night. I gotta watch that. I gotta watch Flash Gordon. I gotta watch the Last Starfire, like back to back. You know, Flash Gordon was pretty good, and the Last Starfire is an awesome film. But like, I got, I gotta have, gotta have June in there again and just watch it with the boys. Like, it's gonna be an absolutely appalling experience together. <laughs> <laughs> like, it was terrible, man. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, now, okay, so we've we we, we yeah. we've spoken about Dune before. You sent me the audiobook yeah. from Dune and everything. And the, uh, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and also, you, we spoke about Star Wars as well. I mean, we're, we're sort of like going in between all the different questions I was going to ask because there were four questions I was going to ask you. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, but yeah. Um, we, uh, so we've spoken about this before. You've, you've told me about how much, essentially, whenever we end up talking about Star Wars, you end up talking about Dune. And going like, oh, for goodness sake, you want to read some Star Wars is rubbish. You want to see something good? Read Dune. Yeah, have Dune. That, now, yeah. that's that's where he stole all his best ideas from. Desert Planet. Blah, blah, blah. All, all that. Yeah. You, you, keep, you keep talking about that. So... I know, I know how much you, how much so like you hold Dune in esteem, and this, the fact that I know that there's a lot of people who, who are, who are fans of Dune, who can't stand the fact that the sort of number one thing that a lot of people when they hear Dune is they're going to be thinking about the 1980s David Lynch movie, which, which I think features Sting in a nappy or something like that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stinging a nappy. Yeah, sting, yeah, yeah. yeah stinging a nappy. Uh, so, so the, they talk. But the, one of the questions I was going to ask you is: When the cinemas open again, what are you most looking forward to watching? 
and we know that, yeah, and, <laughs> because uh, i mean like blade runner blade runner 2049 was awesome like it, blade runner segues into blade runner 2049 so neatly yeah, and yeah you know the vision behind it is absolutely awesome. Yeah, uh, the writing I, was brilliant. Yeah, I, I, I think I would with, say that. Um, yeah, I was, I was going to say I say I think with Blade Runner twenty forty nine, I thought for me the biggest achievement of that film is that it felt like the same world as the first Blade Runner film, just thirty years on. And yeah, and uh, for me yeah. that was a massive, massive achievement. So I guess you were going to say something about the director. Yeah, so I think like, and I know they got like the uh, um, the guy in charge of photography is the same and whatnot. So yeah. and you know like they got the same camera crew and all yeah. of that. So I'm really looking forward to to that because and one of the problems with um, uh, that eighties version of Dune, the David Lynch version that I watched yesterday, is that there's just so much over reliance on having the characters just whispering their inner thoughts over the top of what's taking place <laughs> as a substitute for um, you know for actually, visual for actual you know, visual storytelling. Sp- yeah, and and as a substitute for thinking carefully about what dialogue could go in to replace that kind of aspect. So um, yeah, I'm looking forward to you know these guys sitting down thinking about you know the visual aspect of it and um, uh, you know kind of uh, doing a bit of decent writing on it. Well, I mean, oh, okay, we've had this discussion and I'm repeating myself, but hopefully some people who are listening to this haven't heard me say this, that everything I've ever heard about Dune and everything you've told me about Dune is like, whenever I, whenever I say, okay, cool, why should I read this book? What's the story about? And people start telling you this story that keeps having all these added elements to it. And I keep going like, okay, oh, really? What's that? Why? What does that mean? Bene Gesserit, how do you spell that? And all that. And the yeah. story just keeps getting bigger and bigger. And I have, for even without reading the book, I've always thought, this thing sounds like it would be better as a high budget TV series because you have time to build the world and go into it. And so making it into a film, I've been worried about for a while. But as you say, the people who are making this film, I think Denny Villeneuve, him alone is, he's enough to self gaming. Okay. Of all the people I can think of, he is going to give you the best chance of making this thing work because because all his films yeah. are yeah. really, really well thought out. And the guy puts so much into, like, I still, I love Arrival. I love the film Arrival. I think what he did with Blade Runner 2049, I was like, well, sheesh, I, I didn't think that was possible. I really didn't think that was possible to actually make something that made sense yeah. in, in the light of the first one. And doesn't doesn't try, it doesn't try and be its own thing too much. And it doesn't try and ape the original too much. So you don't end up resenting it for messing up the first one it just ends up being like no it's part of the same world which i think is something that a lot of people have tried in the past and have messed it up so i think dune and also the Mm. fact that he has said it himself that he said this is too much story for one film so he'd always had it in mind that he was going to make two so yeah i think we spoke a bit about this as well is about having um which film was it is it superman one and two they kind of like film them back to both back, of yeah. the films together. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is kind of like the, the, the same thing that not letting studio execs have control over a film saying that, or, or the, the financial department here in a sense, having yeah. control over what yeah. happens with it in terms of they just film the whole thing and then, you know, edit the first one, get it out and then edit the second one and get it out. Yeah. Um, They've done it so a that couple they have of times. Yeah. Yeah, they've done a couple or of times. It's, I think it's, like if it, they... it worked for Lord of the Rings, it worked for End, uh, Avengers Endgame and Infinity War. It didn't work so mm. well for the Paris of the Caribbean movies, but nah, never mind. <laughs> mm. 
Disney, Disney. Yeah. yeah. Um, don't, don't get me started. <laughs> don't, don't get me started. Yes. Don't, don't get me started yes. on, on that on that money hungry capitalist big conglomerates. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Big big conglomerates of factory that creates all the stuff that I really really love. <laughs> yeah, culture and creative industries, isn't it? I mean, like, it's got to be done to feed someone at the end of the day. It, it has to be done. But, it has to be done. Uh, you know, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, no. I mean, I'm really looking forward to watching June in the cinema. So, you know, hopefully we can get some um, babysitting, and I'll take Portia to go watch it. She fell asleep last night watching this. She was like, "What the hell is this?" And uh, she gave up. She gave up on it. So, um, you know, I'll be looking forward to going to watch the, you know, the this uh, remake. Uh, Oh, of dude, of oh, dude. But I also have to say yeah. one thing. Okay, I've I've listened to a little bit of the book, and I do feel like they have nailed a lot of their casting. The 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 cast yeah. the, the the cast in Dune. I look at them and I go, yep, yep, yeah, yeah, yep, yeah. You'd work, you'd work. Yes, yes. Charlotte Rampin as the mother superior. That works. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like. So I, I feel like they they have such good people with it. They have such a good director, and I'm just hoping that this. So I'm hopeful for Dune, and I'm I'm hopeful for something that I can't see how it would work, but I'm hopeful for them to sort of blow my mind with that. Right. <laughs> okay, so we have been through the first film you saw at the cinema. We have been through the what, what you love about going to the cinema, why you think cinema is important, if we put it that way. We have been through what you are most looking forward to seeing when the cinemas reopen. And the other question that we're asking people is, what was the final film you managed to catch at the cinema before the lockdown happened? Oh, final! I thought, oh, right. There were. I thought it was going to be what was the final film I saw before lockdown. But the final film at the cinema was um, Rise of Skywalker at Christmas. Took the kids to go watch that. Uh, okay. Um, and it, <laughs> it was trash, man. <laughs> trash. <laughs> it was appalling. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I don't think we need to go into um, all the reasons why it's bad. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> we definitely don't. <laughs> It's well. Anybody who's listened to the podcast regularly would have heard um, Sean and I talking, we're, because when we, we Sean and I saw it when the week it was released, we, I think we recorded the yeah. podcast um, on the Thursday. So I think I had just seen it that day. I had seen the film that day, and Sean and I were going to talk about it. Sharon hadn't seen it yet, so Sharon left the room and put her headphones on for the entire time while we were talking, which we were. Which I think was a good idea because after hearing Sean and I speak about the film, I don't think anybody would have wanted to watch it. So, so, no, because I don't think anybody should have wanted to should have should have gone to see it at all. Like, uh, uh, no, uh, I mean, the, the, the sales, the box office figures speak for themselves, isn't it? Like for a Star Wars film to do so badly, um, you know, in a, in this period of four weeks at the cinema, just goes to show how terrible the film was. I, I so, just, I, I, I just, I. I, I I couldn't even put into words how disappointed I was at that film. Yeah, well, uh, oh, I, mean, yeah, no, I think that, I've, that I've was... said it. I've summarized it. That like was... uh, they had nine films. They've done two and a half decent films. Uh, you know, good films. Two and a half good films. Like two alright right films, and then the rest of them are rubbish. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. I'd agree with that. So it's and and it's and honestly, man, because I, I went to see I actually remember I went to see it at the midnight showing. And I had um and I I had a, a business networking meeting the next morning at uh, at six o'clock, so I went to the business. I had about probably 
two, three hours sleep that went straight to this business network meeting. People were like, oh, you went to see the film last night. What did you think? And I was just kind of like, oh, good, man. I was just so disappointed. It was just so, so disappointed. And it seriously, yeah. it, it made me, it's kind of like there's one of these moments where it made me think, hang on, has J.J. Abrams ever been any good? <laughs> because I just couldn't believe how much they'd messed Star Wars up. I just couldn't believe how much they messed that film up. And and it, it made me sort of like, it, it gave me sort of like a sort of a dark time of the soul where I had to sort of go back and look at the rest of his his output and go, is that any good? Is that, does this guy just keep recycling the same stuff and reheating it and giving it to us as a... <laughs> I, I'd, yeah, I still... I mean, that's a film that I know um, I'm all for people having different points of view. But when people tell me that they like that film, I'm still kind of like, what the hell are you on about? Or what are you smoking? <laughs> are you sure you're a part of my social network? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, like, I'm, just, I'm just kind of like, seriously. Yeah. I'm like, okay, seriously. Honestly, yeah, tell think, me think, why. Um, why? What do you like about this? Yeah. Because I think it's, I think it's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I can't remember it was a tagline that came out from one of the people at the studio and it was something like, this is classic Lucas, you know, like the, pa- the pace is just used to keep everything moving when, the, you know, you know, and basically the, the subtext was there's no story. So we've just banged through everything as quickly as possible <laughs> just so that you don't notice that there's no story, you know. And I was just like, I just swear, I was like, what the hell, man? I mean, and the thing is, it's so expensive to go watch it. You know, yeah, well, especially cinema, yeah, especially when, kids, you're taking, when you're taking your kids yeah, yeah. along as well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The funny thing is that I know a lot of people who have kids. The Rise of Skywalker is the last thing they went to see at the cinema, and Mm. I feel so sorry for them. I mean that that's because one of the other podcasts we used to do one one called They Don't Make Them Like They Used To. We would interview people who are in the fifties, and they'll say, "Oh, I haven't been to the cinema since like you know the eighties or something like that," and. I feel yeah. like The Rise of Skywalker is the kind of film where, where, and usually the story is like, they'll say something like, oh, I went to see this one film and it just, it just turned me off cinema and I thought, oh, forget it, I'm not going to watch anything anymore. And I feel The Rise of Skywalker is the kind of film that could do that for a whole new generation who just think, I was so pumped up and then I saw that and now I'm not going to the cinema. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, like, it just, yeah, you'll be scarred, and it? scarred a whole generation. Yeah, yeah. It just, <laughs> Basically. It just, it's, it's one of those things that you watch it and you go, well, thank God for Marvel. Yeah, but you know, like we could argue the same thing about Marvel, isn't it? The execs are just basically making safe choices that they know are going to generate income for them, you know, and they're very carefully using the hype uh, to 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 justify the decisions that they're making. Yeah, I think. So. I mean, like one Batman movie does as much. That one Batman movie does as much at the cinema. Um, as um, generally as like an entire year's worth of Marvel output. So, I mean, you could argue the importance of, um, you know, direction, music. I mean, tell me one one uh, song you remember from a Marvel movie. Oh. Nothing. No, Al- no, nothing from the score. Sorry, no. Stands Alan, out, you know. Alan Silvestri's Avengers Endgame, uh, no, Avengers theme tune. I'm sorry, but Alan Silvestri's Avengers theme tune is awesome. It is. Yeah. It, yeah, it is awesome. I mean, to be to the that that is something that at the beginning of Marvel, at the beginning of Marvel, like for instance, you can't really think about Iron Man doesn't really have a theme, Captain America doesn't really have a theme. All those guys, they don't really have like the music doesn't mean anything apart from the fact that they used ACDC for the orig- initial Iron Man movies. So that I agree with. But by the time they got to Avengers, and by the time like 
I remember, like, by the time they got to Avengers Age of Ultron, there's this bit where the uh, helicarrier shows up in Sokovia to sort of, like, save some people. And once that music kicks in, I'm like, yes! And by the time they got to... <laughs> by, by the time you get to Endgame, even just that... Uh, even even the trailer for Endgame and the bit where the, the letters are coming on the screen and it actually gives you the title of the film and the Avengers theme tune kicks in there. I'm just kind of like, I am so pumped right now. And I know a lot of people... It took 13 years and 20 movies, man. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. But, and I think that that's because the Marvel, the Marvel Cinematic Universe is essentially watching people figure it out as they went along. But... But they made sure that, like you know, I think I think they made sure that every single bit of the step that they, every single step they took, they made sure that it was the best step that they were allowed to make. If you get what I mean. Mm-hmm. So, so I agree with you that there is definitely because they got bought over by Disney pretty, pretty early on. I think it was probably around about Thor: The Dark World that Disney came in and bought and and bought Marvel. So obviously they knew that there there has to be that whole thing where there's going to be somebody in the suits. The suits are going to be sitting down there going, "All right, yeah, this is this thing has to make money. This is a, this is what this is what projections are and all that." And so they were, but I think that they made they made some really really good decisions. Almost every single time I'm like, "Okay, there's two ways this thing could go. They could either do that, which is going to be a terrible terrible decision that I've thought all the way from the comics. I'm like, you could do that and that would be a terrible decision because it didn't even work in the comics." And then they make the decision. I'm like, okay, yes, I like that. That is the right decision. <laughs> so, uh, so I think I think that the balancing act that they've managed to pull off, um, well, where there might have been things that could have been more, uh, more, or could have been braver that they could have done. There might have been things that could have been a bit more out there that they could have done. But I think the balancing act that they've managed to do between making some bold choices and keeping the money men happy is mental it's absolutely mental so mm-hmm. so i know i know people have issues with it and i understand some of the issues but quite frankly i am in awe of what they have managed to pull off in marvel studios i am in absolute awe mm. Mm. well you know we we can look at some of the most recent dc output and we oh, can God. probably look at the balance of it and just just say that yeah you you know the evidence bears out what you're saying definitely oh good lord mm-hmm. the dc the dc yeah the dc yeah same which though like titans on netflix i have enjoyed the first series was a bit slow getting started um i binged the second series over like two nights i think oh yeah so yeah yeah like i i enjoyed um uh titans uh, I would say. We, you see now, um, I, and and this is this is when you talk about being snobbish. This is we, this is where I get snobbish, because I'm like I don't understand why they made Titans. Why did we need the live action Titans? We had two awesome cartoon series. We had Teen Titans and Teen Titans Go. <laughs> Those things oh, rock. Why do you have to go and make it dark and make it all human? That that sucks. And so I will admit straight up that I'm snobbish about that thing. And maybe one day I'll watch Titans. But at the moment, I'm just kind of like, you don't, you, you, you have not justified your existence to me. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I can. I watch Teen Titans with the kids, and then when they go to bed, I watch Titans. <laughs> <laughs> so it it works for me, man. It worked. It worked for me. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, um, have, yeah. have, have you seen yeah. the Teen Titans movie? The Teen Titans go to the movies, Phil. Uh, no, I don't think we've seen that one. Oh, dude, you need to see that. You need to see that. It is, it, it is the funniest satire of superhero movies that I have seen. 
in the lat like like honestly man just watch it but some of the things that they do in the film you're kind of like i can't believe they're doing this even though like it seems is like it, is it uh funnier than old man hulk that i sent you the other day oh uh, from it... uh the new the new avengers or whatever it was <laughs> I, <laughs> old I'm, man hulk i'm gonna go out on a limb and say it is funnier it is funnier than that cool like it, it's it's All kind right, of like, look that one up. let me put this way when you have a dc property so obviously teen titans is a dc property I have a DC property that's taking the piss out of Batman versus Superman within it. You know that, oh my God. I don't think anybody was watching that when they were making this thing. It's awesome. Well, Batman versus Superman was the biggest crock of... <laughs> I, I was off uh, I was off sick, I think, that week. A yeah. couple of days I had off work. I wasn't feeling well, yeah. And I was like, oh, kids are at school. Batman versus Superman is in. Let me watch it. I sat there and watched the whole thing just as a like a level of torture to myself. I was like, it can't actually get any worse than this. I watched the whole thing and I was like, how did anyone even like allow this thing to be released? Like, they, it shouldn't even gone. It shouldn't even been straight to DVD or streaming. It should just gone in the dustbin. <laughs> <laughs> but you know you see, you see now you're sounding a bit like me and and my wife has she has she has heard me complain about this film over and over again somewhere that she's like oh, what is wrong with you man uh, it's like people were trying i'm like i'm not sure they were because that film i'm like wait somebody had to write it then somebody had to sort of like you know location scale then you had a director then you had an editor then you had executives and it had to go through all these different stages and that is what you released <laughs> yeah but you know what's happened with that is that um like it's going to be one of the ones where someone wrote a story execs didn't like it and so then they got another person to do edits on the story and then they got another person to do edits on the edits and edits on the edits like that so you end up with like about 12 people having worked on the script of which only one person who originally wrote it actually receives any actual credits. Yeah. And, um, you know, you end up with a, with a story that shouldn't have been made. So yeah, but, but I mean, sad days, but, but I, the, the problem with me is, look, there is one moment, there is one moment in Batman versus Superman, which typifies the entire film and it's the Martha moment. And, I just don't understand. No matter how many drafts of the script you've had, no matter how many people have tinkered with this thing, no matter how many too many cooks problems you've have, how does nobody look at that moment of the 12, 50, 100 people who were involved in making this thing? How do you not look at that moment and go, that is stupid? <laughs> and the, the whole film builds up to that point and you're like, that is dumb. It is so dumb. I don't. I. I. I, just, I don't understand how that happens. I don't, it's. Oh, never mind. Okay. Yeah, you're getting me. Anyway, also, thank you very much for coming onto the Netflix vs. Cinema podcast today. <laughs> I'm gonna go away and stew about Batman vs. Superman for like an hour now. Yeah, you get some. Uh, you use that excess emotional energy to like bang for another Joe Wicks workout off YouTube or something. <laughs> oh, I did one this morning. I'm expecting to pay for it in in you know like tomorrow. I'm expecting to be. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. Yeah. Oh, my breast is super. Oh, God. <sighs> okay, anyway, I'm going to go away and I've. I know... <laughs> oh, God. You've got me started, man. It's a... All right. I, I've, I know. Okay. I know I owe you some Star Wars watching. I still haven't seen Discovery Season 2. Haven't seen any of Picard. 
Uh, oh, Star Trek, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Star Trek, yeah. Oh, yeah, I watched a bit of Picard. I watched a bit of Picard. Um, yeah, I have my opinions about Picard. So, you know, I think we need to go back to Deep Space Nine. I think that was like, uh, you know, that was the high point into, for Star Trek. Yeah. Discovery, I mean, like, a lot of people were slaying Discovery. I quite enjoyed it. Yeah, I, um, I enjoyed I, season one. I think one. Discovery does... Sorry? I enjoyed season one. Yeah, yeah. I think Discovery does a lot of what Deep Space Nine did, which was, um, you know... Make, make not, the world more, um, more adult. Yeah, there's that. You know, there's more shades of grey. Yeah. And, um, you know, like, all, you know, a lot of um, uh, characters that wouldn't have got, um, uh, you know, time yeah. in a traditional Star Trek um, uh, setting, basically, because they're not like uh, white men. Yep. Uh, you know, Deep Space Nine and uh, Discovery gives them those roles. Yeah. You know, and also, you know, we got you know people who aren't necessarily uh, heterosexual, etc., uh, etc. Et They're yeah. allowed to flourish as characters. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Cool. Thank you all so right. much. Thank you so much for coming along. Right. Thank you so much for all you've said. No. And here's hoping that at some point they reopen cinemas. Yeah, and that they're yeah, still, all, all and that they're, shape and form. Yeah, yeah, and the, and they're still actually there when they when we finally get to reopen them. Yeah, yeah. All right, all right, cool, man. Take care. Take care. Chat all later. Right. You too. All right. Bye bye. Bye. Sure, Sharon. That was Yatish. What did you think? Um, uh, yeah, he was the Care Bear movie. Oh. He he didn't choose that film. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when you're a totally wee thing, you get taken to the film that your parents think is the most appropriate. They're not thinking of your future cultural life. <laughs> They're thinking of how can I entertain this child? So, you know, I think, yeah, he's, you know, as far as I'm concerned, you know, he gets a pass. With the care <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll give him a pass. Yeah, I'm happy. I'm happy. It sounded, um, I, oh, there's loads of stuff there I could talk about. Um, but, yeah. You know, I mean, there's so much there's so much i mean uh, i mean maybe we could just all dive in but interesting that you said he's 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 a real trekkie fan yes which, yes yeah yeah he really likes his trek and and he likes um deep space nine which probably i would say out of all the series i i used to really really enjoy deep space nine yeah so i'm with him there i have actually watched all of picard so oh, yeah. i watched yeah that's one of the the few things that i have watched um uh, for me, I thought that was a little bit. It was a little bit hot and cold. Oh, from yeah. a Personal point of view, some episodes are okay. You had the old, uh, um, you know, sort of some of the old characters like his old number two and some oh, so yeah. sort of through different, you know, different characters pop up that, have, that from the past. So, I mean, it wasn't. It was all right. It was all right. It wasn't. It wasn't out of this world. And some episodes were a lot better than others. But yeah, so I'm with him on the Star Trek stuff, Deep Space Nine, and. Yeah. my favourite all time. Well, didn't he? Pardon? He liked Discovery as well, which yeah, is the, um, now, the Netflix one, isn't it? Yes, yes. Yeah. For me... I get up, but there's so many Star Wars, no, no Star Trek, I'm sorry, Star I made Trek the same, series. But, I made the same mistake. I get a bit muddled with them, because there's... What was the one with Kate Mulligan? What was that one? Kate Mulgrew. Mulgrew. That was Voyager. The one that every, the one that everybody everybody says was rubbish, apart from I think they rated just slightly above Enterprise. Yeah, well, I didn't hate. I watched them all, so I've watched them all. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen Picard must... because it's yeah, I just wasn't in the mood. Yeah. So but yeah. I've watched the others, and I've watched all of Discovery. Now, see Voyager. It's funny. Out of the whole Star Trek canon, out of the whole Star Trek 
everything I've seen of Star Trek, including the movies. Yep. Vo- there's Voyager. There's it's a two parter. It's called Scorpion, and it's where they get seven of nine, and they they meet the Borg. Yeah. And like the Borg, Borg have gone into fluidic space and found this race that they can't assimilate, and it's just and for me. And I, I, I still, I, I would watch that again and again and again. That's a two-parter, Scorpion, and that's a Voyager. But um, that is that is my favourite Star Trek moment. So, for your mate there, that's, that's, if if he could get back and let me know what he thinks of that episode, okay, Scorpion. Well, yeah, yeah, you hear that? You hear that? Sean has said he wants to know. He wants to know what you think about that episode of Voyager. Because I know I mean, Yatish is the kind of person who, for a weekend, will sit. His he has two kids, and he will sit them down, and they will watch. A box set of Star Trek. So I think his kids are probably—they've probably seen every single episode, definitely of the original series, probably of the next generation. And it's, uh, yeah, he—he just—he—he he, he takes them through that, and he is—he has been a long-time hater of Star Wars. He—he <laughs> he does not does not rate Star Wars much. <laughs> and yeah, and obviously, as Sean, you mentioned as well that we. And somehow we started talking and we got around to Batman versus Superman again. Yeah, which, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and once again, I found myself I, I found myself getting embarrassed at how annoyed I was getting. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, why am I so annoyed about this film? It's just a film. It's, <laughs> but, but I'm really annoyed about it. I don't understand why. But um, <laughs> <laughs> all right, cool. So Yatesh, thank you so much for coming onto the show. And uh, as I said, with people... I want to comment about his... Dune. I know he's got his Dune obsession because oh, yes. he's reading the books and he's watched the the recent. He's watched recently the film you know, yeah. from the nineteen eighties. I, I, th- I, th- I think in preparation. I think in preparation for the interview, he specifically went and watched David Lynch's Dune. Yeah, they did do a television series of a sort of quite high end television series of the Dune book and Children of Dune, and I think it had James McAvoy as I don't know if he was one of the Children of Dune or whether he was Paul Atreides, but he certainly featured in it quite prominently and it was like a sky one production it was a sci-fi sci-fi production but it was i remember it being quite high values but i have to say without much embarrassment i actually really like the film june i like the fact that it's completely out there and that (laughs) it is nothing that it is not sane it's not a sane adaption of the book it's completely but i like the whole why because she is the quizzer but I actually I'm, really like because it is crazy. It's just a crazy, mad vision of yeah, yeah. I, just I, I, the way he's talking about that. Those the whispering that the oh pain is the the mind killer, and you know, and your flesh is dissolving from you, and all that. And I just thought to me, it's just crazy, but I like it. <laughs> yeah, I I have to say, I have to say, I concur with Sharon on that one because um, I I, I thought it was pretty good. I, I you know, but then I'm a bit of a Lynch fan, but I just really liked it with the. You know, melange and melange. yeah, melange the spice. And um, yeah, so so I got to say, I'm I'm you know, I, I I thought it was okay. I thought it was an okay adaption, mind you. I haven't read the book, so I don't know. Sharon, you're into books. Again, Have you read? You? I haven't read the books. It's one no. of those books. My brother was a huge fan, and because he was a fan, I wasn't. So I I didn't yeah. read them. <laughs> Good excuse. Good excuse. It took me twenty years to read Lord of the Rings because he was obsessed with Lord of the Rings. I would went nowhere near. Oh, so I didn't read Lord of the Rings until you know quite only about sort of ten years ago. I read Lord of the Rings. Okay. So I, we had that thing. If he was really into it, I was like, as a point of principle, I wasn't going to touch it. 
Sharon, okay, okay, for you, we have some good brother sister stories around the cinema coming up on some of future interviews. <laughs> <laughs> we we have we have some good brother sister stories. I will not spoil them, but I think Karen Bagshaw, who should be coming, who I should be speaking to next week after the bank holiday, has has one that she just put like a sentence about it, in, and I was like, oh, this is a cracker. I so want to hear about this. But brother sister stories and Sandy, who I interviewed yesterday, um, she has a whole thing about how the first the first film that she went to see at the cinema was tied in with what her brother was allowed to see. So, <laughs> so yeah, so yeah, so uh, yeah. Uh, I, I hear you on that, and also Karen, because she put up on she put up on um, Facebook. She said something along the lines of, uh, "Because Homeland finished last week, the TV series Homeland finished last week," and she put something on there saying, "Oh my God, uh, this is the, 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 this I, this is a great thing. I can't believe they brought it to an end. I'm so essentially she really really likes Homeland." And she was like, "For anybody who gave up on it in season two, you missed out." And that's exactly when I gave up on Homeland. I gave up on Homeland in season two. <laughs> Something happened. I went, okay, this is getting silly. And I haven't watched it in like four years. So essentially, I don't know why I, I let myself in, but this is what I do for the podcast, all right? I said, you come up and I let you come on, let me interview you for the podcast. And I promise to catch up with Homeland which is eight oh my seasons, goodness. 96 episodes. I promise to catch up on Homeland. And because she says that she, she, she wonders, because when she was watching it, because Homeland, it followed world affairs quite closely. She says that it was great actually watching it and as things were happening. And she wonders whether there will be any difference if you watch it afterwards. So I said, I'll tell yeah. you what, I'll be your guinea pig. I'll watch it afterwards and I'll report back to you on each season. You come on the podcast and I'll interview you. And now I'm wondering, oh my God, what have I done? <laughs> could, could i ask you guys a fa- can i ask you guys a favor yep i one of the groups i joined was a wild bunch film fan page yep and and i i put a post on there which is just oh man it's lit up it's caused so much country <laughs> because you know there's been there's been talk of a remake isn't there of, oh, uh, mel Lord. gibson doing a oh. remake but i put the post i put on there was so what contemporary actors would take play the parts of and they're like, just see these comments. So if you if you if you could go over to the page and like my post, I'd put a few of the actors that I thought I would. Uh, that'd be brilliant. So, okay. Yeah. So so this, is, so this is what the Wild Bunch, the Wild Bunch movie. Wild Bunch. Yeah. Okay. So if, yeah, if you're yeah, listening yeah, so. to this, you want to go over there. You want to like. You want to like Sean's post, or if you want to go on there and you want to fight. <laughs> yes, that's it. I mean, I. You, you know, I mean, I, I, me and remakes, but it was just funny that I put it on there and it was like, I was, there was getting comments like, oh, they should have Pike from Dad's Army and all stuff. <laughs> it was a funny, really. It's quite funny. It's quite good. So, yeah. So it's caused a bit of... Uh, I'm, I'm, in fact, I'm quite enjoying going on these film groups. I've joined about four of them. So that's, that's like, in the day, I'm like getting all these, these pings and... I've like, like, like a seventies movie one and incredibly strange films. And I'll, tell just, what, I'll tell you what, you, know. you can post this episode and tell them that they've made it into the podcast. <laughs> I'll do that. I will. Okay. That's cool. All oh, right then. Okay, cool. And now, so we get to the part of the show where, uh, uh, we, we tackle one of the questions that we ask our interviewers ourselves. So, so far we've spoken about the first films that we also at the cinema. We've spoken about the last one we caught before the lockdown happened. And now I think we're going to talk about, what are you most looking forward to seeing when the cinemas reopen? So which film are you thinking, oh, this is a film I was looking forward to this year and it got snatched away from me? For, what, for me, probably it would be, I'm, I'm quite looking forward to Mulan, believe it or not. Oh, I would yeah. really like to see Mulan. I think that, yeah, so that's what, there's quite a few probably, but Mulan, definitely would like to see Mulan. 
Um, that's the only one I can really think of right now. Sharon? Um, so. By strange coincidence, that was what I was thinking, Mulan, because I think where that was close, I think that was due to be released imminently. Yeah, I think it was like the yeah. next week or something. It was on the horizon, so I think, yeah, that was the one that it, it felt like it had been snatched away. All the well, others were much further down yeah. the line. And I must admit, apart from the Bond film, which I can't, and I'm not a huge Bond fan, but I tend to have gone to have seen them. Mm. I can't think of many that I saw were coming that I thought, oh, that'd be good. Because mm. I tend to, we tended to do it like a week by week basis. And I think, yeah. what's that this week? Oh, we're yeah. going to see that. And I didn't, didn't ever really look that far ahead. So I, I was aware of Mulan. And I'm trying to think of the trailers that came on. Just because, you know, when you go to the cinema quite a lot, you see the same trailers yeah. every mm. week. And I'm trying to think which ones uh, I went, oh, that looked quite good. I, th- I, think, I think the Bond film, uh, because there's one shot, I know you've seen the Bond trailer, there's one shot in the trailer that is absolutely out of this world. And I just really want to see if, there were, if that is all that they have in the film. Like, if there's the one shot that they go, yay, get them in, and now the rest of the film is, like, stodgy as anything. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I, so I, I want to see that. I think not so much out of, out of excitement as it is curiosity. I want to see how they're going to do this thing. I want to see how they're going to end Daniel Craig's run, and I want to see whether all the hype, because they always hype it up, and they always say, yes, I think this is the best way to end it, and I think we've done it, and I think we've brought it full circle. I want to see if it actually works because I feel a little bit like as a Bond, Daniel Craig might have had a bit too much control over the films. And yeah. I'm, I'm not sure that that was always a good thing. But it's... um uh, So I want to see how that goes. But being a total, total caricature of myself, I really want to see what Marvel are going to do to follow up after Endgame. Because I was... I, th- I thought it was really interesting to see when they said, all right, um, we've got... Uh, and um, they they said that they had Endgame, and then after that, everyone was like, oh, what are they going to do next? And they went, well, we're going to do Black Widow, which is supposed to be... Mm. Com- com- they bounced back, yeah, because I, I wasn't thrilled about Black Widow, because she, she wasn't my, my most favourite character. Yeah. Yeah. And I think sometimes it's like with the whole sisterhood thing. It's like saying, well, it's a woman character, so get in there. And I'm just like, oh, but I, don't, I didn't like her the best. <laughs> so I feel like compelled that I have to go and watch it. And I know my friend Gemma, who I go to the cinema with quite a lot, she was really looking forward to the next Wonder Woman film. Oh, yeah. I and, forgot about that. And so it's, if you do like a compare and contrast between how the way DC handles their like female characters, how Marvel handles their female characters, I think DC have got a slightly edge on it, the way they handle sort of like Harley Quinn and okay, how they handle right. women. Whereas Marvel, they've always sort of treated them throughout all the, the other films. They're a bit like also characters. It's just like, oh, and by the way, look at all these cool women characters we've and then, but let's get back to the main ones. Let's get back to the really interesting characters. Yeah, yeah. Yes. There's that one scene in Endgame that. <laughs> I always She's that... not alone. Oh. She's not alone. Oh. Oh. Every now and then they like, present them to us to say, look, come on, come on, sisterhood, get behind the women. And it's just like. Oh, but you haven't made That's... them very interesting up to this point. Yeah. No, there's, a, there's another bit in the other one, the, yeah. the before the end game, Avengers. Um, Infinity uh, War. You know, what's, what was Infinity War where there's a bit where they're, you know, yeah. she's not alone. So, 
characters. Yeah, I quite like some of the female characters, but they've yeah, always yeah. been secondary characters, and they've never been that interesting. So when they suddenly say, "Hey, look, they're going to have their own film," I'm like, "Oh, really? Okay." Well, well the, the thing is, okay. Now I and I know what you're saying about the the whole thing that there's there's people you, you will go online and you will find people who will make a statement like, "Well, any right thinking person should want a Black Widow movie," and I have serious issues with the phrase any right thinking person because it's just so <laughs> up yourself the person who's making that, <laughs> the person who's I'm saying that right exactly saying i'm the right thinking person and you should agree with me because i am right so it's I'd, i have issues with that phrase but but i always thought that they shouldn't do a black widow movie because i was like black widow i think works best as a supporting character that but yeah. but, but with what they've done with black widow i'm like that's intriguing I actually really want to see what they do. I want to see if they manage to pull it off, especially because if you've watched Endgame, you know that there's problems. But, but so, so, it's, so, it's a, uh, I want to see how I want to see how they pull it off uh, with that. But I, and I know they had the Eternals that was supposed to come out this year as well. And uh, was it? Oh, was it called Shang? Ooh, ooh, good lord! I don't want to get Shang Chi. Yeah, that's What's it. that, a Kung Fu one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I don't know about that, but I knew as soon as you said that, I know he was a famous Marvel character. Yes, Shang-Chi, yeah, Shang-Chi. That's appeared it. in the Bridge League. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, he, he, was, they, he was essentially done to sort of cash in on the popularity of Blue Bruce Lee, but they're trying to sort of that's like, right. you know, That's right, him and that. Iron Fist, which, are, which Iron Fist, which I think has been a... Um, it's been, it's been a, a TV series, series on it's, a TV series. It's been a it? much, much lambasted TV series on Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> There's not yeah, many people I never who really, like it. As comics go... Shang-Chi was in a comic called The Deadly Hands of Kung Fu, but I was never really, I never really got into the comic. But yeah. I was a Bruce Lee fan. I think I made a comment uh, and it got a lot of likes. was like the, the Kung Fu movies came and went with Bruce Lee. So, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Jackie Chan. I don't <laughs> no, know. no, no, no. Sorry. Uh, no, Jackie no, Chan. No, no, no. Too, too, too comedic for my for my liking. But, but that, that's that's exactly why I like Jackie Chan, because yeah. because let's Bruce Lee love Bruce Lee and everything like that. But he he was not he was a fighter, not so much a performer. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That's the thing with, with Bruce Lee. I, I did see him recently on a Netflix thing. I think we did a review, didn't we? Called the um, the Foreigner. I think I did a did on one of our previous podcasts. All right, Jackie Chan. Yeah. Oh, okay. oh yeah, is, with uh, Jackie Chan. Yeah. Yeah, with yeah. Is, uh, but what I loved about Jackie Chan is I loved the whole Kung Fu stuff, but the fact is that Jackie Chan is a performer. The guy is an absolute slapstick performer. Yeah. And and also, the fact that by the time Jackie Chan came along, what they could do on film had gone so far beyond what Bruce Lee could do. Like, the speed yeah. at which some of the things that Jackie Chan does, you never yeah. saw that in a Bruce Lee movie. Not that Bruce Lee couldn't do it. It's just that you didn't see it in a Bruce Lee movie. But the speed at which he does things and the so set pieces that the guy does are mental. So I understand he, he did a lot of his own own stunts. But he did all his I, own stunts. You, you know, for me, yeah, and broke loads of bones. I mean, I think he was excellent as as a straight man in that film, The Foreigner. But I, I just never really. I guess I'm not a comedy slapsticky sort of yeah. person. Okay, yeah. Do you know what I mean? I mean, it's yeah. like those com- comedy westerns like Cactus Jack and all those. They just they just don't do it for me. So. So I never really, um, never really got that. With, yeah. It's funny with 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 comedies because I don't know. So I, I do like comedies, but not those slappy stick ones. And yet I love uh, the Buster Keaton and the Laurel and Hardy ones. Yeah, you know, Buster, and Buster Keaton. Ones. Buster Keaton, a massive influence on Jackie Chan. 
definitely. Yeah, a massive yeah. influence, Jackie Chan. Although it's uh, it's you talking okay talking about kung fu talking about kung fu movies you can talk about hollywood kung fu movies yeah they're probably the you have bruce lee then you have some jackie chan stuff but it was never as good as the hong kong stuff but if you go to the hong kong stuff there's there's two films with jet lee in it called the legend of fong sai yuk all oh, right okay i've not seen that oh the legend of fong sai yuk oh my word and i think it's like it's comedy it's, uh it has comedic bits but it also has dramatic bits in it like people die it just they, more dramatic yeah because because Fong Sai Yuk is a is he's a real life character he's a, it's All like right, okay. yeah it's like the legend of Fong Sai Yuk and those if you can get the subtitled versions do not get the dubbed version the dubbed oh. version which is called the legend oh my god it's terrible it ruins a great <laughs> film <laughs> it <ruins laughs> brings but, that memory of the water margin when you see dubbed films you think yeah, don't do that. <laughs> yes, yeah, just, just, just don't, just don't, please don't. Yeah. So, but if you get, I'll tell you what, Sean, I've got them on DVD. I might have to get them to you at some point. The Legend oh, okay. of Fong Sai. Okay, yeah. cool. Love those films. Love those films. All right, cool. Now, um, I think it's pro- it's pretty much time for us to wrap up. It's pretty much time. Yep. For, and I think, but just before we go, I would just like to point, uh, say that Sean, you know your comment about. I think you might have seen it on on uh, Facebook that your comment about. Um, how you trying to figure out what Holly looked like based on her voice. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah she got some pictures sent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah yes, that was... uh, okay, 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 see, now, now, for anybody who's listening to that, I just heard Sean say, yeah, she, we got some pictures sent. Yes, the reality is as flirty as that sounds. I feel, <laughs> I feel, like, I feel like my Facebook wall has become almost kind of like, you know, a dating website or something like that. <laughs> I don't know about <laughs> because it's kind of like sure uh, uh, but I think she she was quite tickled by it. she was starting to go by your description of what she looks like and the funny thing is you know you know that oh so oh, we're doing this on zoom I recorded a snippet I of got us. the cats right I got the cats right didn't I you did got, I get the cats right? no no you said a black cat named Sophie the black cats yeah but <laughs> cats anyway yeah yeah definitely cats yeah 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 <laughs> Yeah, Holly, yeah. Holly makes absolutely no secret about her cats. I think she talks about them all the time. But it's uh, uh, but the funny thing is that we also had one this week because last uh, last week I took a snippet of the of of our call, the bit where I was disappearing behind the doing the invisible man trick thing. On oh Zoom. yeah, and yeah. I, put, I put that up on Facebook, and I got a comment back from a regular listener to the show, and I will leave it up to you to figure out who that is, who went, oh my God, is that what Sean looks like? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can imagine, I can imagine. Because so, yeah. she said that based on your voice, she had a totally different picture of what you looked like in her head. <laughs> it is funny, isn't it? It's strange when you hear, you've just heard someone and then you, you, you get a mental picture of them and they turn out to be, I think that's the difference between uh, seeing a film first and reading the book. If you read the book first and you see a film, you can sometimes be disappointed yeah. with the film because you get a mental picture of a character. Whereas if you've seen the film, you can you can read the book and then you get like the cinema version of... of yeah, you see them. You do. The it does influence. You, you, you but, hear uh, that? You except hear that? for, which I think was excellent, was Lord of the Rings. I know we go back to this, but the characters in that were... As I pictured the characters when I read the book before you've yeah. seen the film, yeah. so that that's that's an accomplishment. Uh, I don't want to jinx it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He didn't appear, did he? Yeah. Bless him. No. This, and I don't want to jinx it, but I said this on the interview with Yatish. I, I'm worried about Dune because I think it might be too much story for a film. But 
I think that they've got the casting spot on. Like every single mm-hmm. character that I look at, it, that I look at when I look at Timothy Chalamet as uh, that smaller treatise boy, and I'm looking at them and Rebecca Ferguson as as, well, as Lady Jessica, I'm looking at them going, yeah, I can see this. I can from the little I've read of the book, from the little I've heard of the book rather, because I listened to the audio book. I, I was like, I think that they've done that. I think I've got that right. So until next week when we hear somebody else's voice and we're trying to figure out what they look like <laughs> oh, all that, I think that's actually a really really good game listen to their voice try, try, try to describe yeah. them and then they send a picture and you're like oh uh, sorry <laughs> yeah, until next go week go back to audio yes yes go, go back to audio yeah we don't want to see your faces <laughs> like, oh, until next week it's a goodbye from me it's a goodbye from me and uh, goodbye from me. Oh, Stay we safe, go- everyone. We, we go a bit slicker this week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>